We're continuing in our series of following Jesus. There are many different topics that we could talk about in this series, and we have covered many of them. They are topics that don't often come up in the series of preaching through a Bible book. So sometimes it's good, sometimes it's helpful to um, to preach through topics. And the topic this morning is one which, well, it's been well recognized as something that is a significant thing in, in the Christian life, in life in general. From the ancient philosophers, from Aristotle, hundreds of years before Christ, to the desert fathers of the third century, those people who went out into the desert and set up their own communities that prefigured monastery life later on. Pope Gregory in the sixth, the first in the sixth century, to Thomas Aquinas in the thirteenth century, many people have taught about vice lists and virtue lists. They're not so well known today, but you may have heard of the most famous of these vice lists. I don't know if you can guess what it is. Seven deadly sins, and there are seven corresponding virtues as well. We don't believe that there are deadly sins. All sins are equally deadly. But this list tends to emphasize some of the more serious sins that have been recognized down through the years. And the seven deadly sins are, you wouldn't find murder or theft and adultery on this list. But there are more serious, deep-rooted sins in the human heart. Pride, greed or covetousness. Lust, envy, gluttony or drunkenness, anger and sloth or laziness. Those are the seven deadly sins as they've been listed. And the corresponding virtues are humility, charity or generosity, chastity or faithfulness, gratitude or kindness, temperance or moderation, patience and diligence. These sins have been recognized down through the centuries as serious, as well as their corresponding virtues. Today I'd like like us to look on just one of them, and that's pride. It's been described as the greatest sin of all. And we'll see how that has come about shortly. We're familiar with what the Bible says about pride in that Pride goes before a fall. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Summarized as pride goes before a fall. Proverbs 16 verse 18. But if that's our idea of what pride is, well, that's not quite what the Bible teaches. That's not quite how serious it is. Uh, Pride in that sense seems to imply that well, it's just overconfidence. If you're a bit too proud, a bit too confident of yourself, well, you'll make a mistake and fall flat on your face. We can think of that in many examples in adult life, but we probably have seen it in children where they want to do something and you're, you're trying to show them how to do it properly, but no, they know how to do it, even though they've never done it before. And they, they try and do something 
themselves. They're full of self-confidence, but they just don't know how. And it doesn't work. Maybe in the kitchen, trying to help out do some baking, or maybe doing DIY, and they just don't know how to do things properly. They've more self-confidence than ability. But in real life, that's not what pride really is about. There is something of pride, pride in that. But the Bible and theologians have taken pride much more seriously than that. It's possible, it's even likely that we don't talk too much about pride today because instead of calling it out a sin, even the most serious of the, the, the sins in those vice lists, society celebrates pride. Society has moved so far from what the Bible says. It celebrates pride not just in human achievement, but pride in human attitudes of self-reliance, self-identity, self-whatever. It's about self instead of loving others and loving God. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being pleased about having achieved something. There's nothing wrong with having a sense of fulfillment and a sense of pleasure and seeing children or those associated with us doing well or whatever. But the thing about pride is that it takes pleasure and the glory. But a godly sense of being pleased just recognizes and takes joy in what has happened but gives the glory to God. We can be pleased about things, but not pride. Pride was considered the original and most serious of sins. Jonathan Edwards said, Remember that pride is the worst viper that is in the heart, the greatest disturber of the soul's peace and sweet communion with Christ. It was the first sin committed and lies lowest in the foundations of Satan's whole building, and it is with the most difficulty rooted out and it is the most hidden, secret, and deceitful of all lusts, and often creeps insensibly even into the midst of religion, and sometimes under the disguise of humility. What a statement. It was the original of all sins. Covetousness, seeing something that was forbidden, that's often described as the actual sin, but the sin behind the sin was pride, self I'll do my thing. I am going to be Lord of my life. Disobedience before God. Dethroning God, putting us on the throne instead. That view of sin of Jonathan Edwards just goes so against the way people think today that people are not just encouraged to be proud of what they do or proud of who they are, proud of their abilities and strengths or whatever it is, whatever self is, be proud of it. Even if it's your weaknesses, even if it's your quirks, your disabilities, your sins. People were encouraged to be proud of having done good in the past. Now that's pride, but it's still pride based upon something good. Now people are proud and the centre of what they're proud about is often what is morally questionable. 
In the past, pride was linked with things that were good. You were proud if, if you passed some exams or something, you did somebody, something good. But now, well, if somebody says that something is wicked, that's a way of describing something that they like. There's a lot of sins now that are celebrated, whereas in the past they would have been resisted. What has happened is when we've taken God out of the equation, when we've taken God out of our general consciousness in life, we are pri- the things we are proud about are not things which are morally good. When we take the morality out and we end up being proud of things which are even sinful. Today we've lost our moral compass so much and are so self-indulgent, having squeezed God out of public life and, for many people, private life. The whole idea of pride seems natural and good, whereas humility is a sign of weakness, insecurity, inferiority. Having squeezed God out, sin just goes rampant. And people are morally confused. Sin is celebrated. Lives are broken. People suffer. People are lost in the insecurity of not knowing what is right or wrong. Is it any wonder that there are so many people who are struggling mentally? That's all that happens from that. Pride is doing things ourselves for our glory. Wanting others to praise us as the most important person there is. Pride makes us jealous of what others have. Greed might make us want more than we've got. But pride makes us want more than what other people have got. Keeping up with the, the neighbours, having the better Christmas decorations, having the better car. We have to be the best. It's not about the things, it's about us. Pride makes us resistant to criticism, too touchy to be able to mention things. It's less concerned with the heart. It's more concerned with appearances. It makes us vain. It spins or exaggerates the truth so that we look good. Pride encourages us to sin so that we look good. The problem is it just doesn't want to be found out. It's critical of others instead of praising or encouraging them. And pride sometimes comes in the guise of an inferiority complex. We're so aware that we're not as good as as others. We feel so inferior. But the problem is, the the root of that is, we're still thinking about ourselves and wanting to be better than others and our inability comes across as an inferiority complex but that's still pride just masked pride craves power over others whether it's family or community or between nations it makes leaders go to war to get more, to be better at its worst pride isn't just concerned about being better than others. Pride is so focused on self that at the end of that road, pride just focuses on self and doesn't even care about others. It's so self-centered. Verse 
It leads to all sorts of sins. It stifles joy in our hearts. And we all suffer from it more than we would like to think to a greater or lesser extent. In the Bible we read of people who have been proud of self, self-reliant in so many different ways. From the Tower of Babel, a monument to mankind's self-reliance. We don't need God. We will be able to worship ourselves. We will do our own thing. David recognized his sin and pride of being confident in his army and his military might. And he confessed that he had sinned trusting in the blessings that God had given rather than the God who gives blessings in 2 Samuel 24. And of course, Jesus taught so much to those who were proud in themselves. The parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector was specifically given to those who were proud of themselves. And pride makes us blind to our pride, even when we're trying to avoid it. There was a a children's teacher once was teaching the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And after describing how the tax collector had come humbly before God and asked for mercy, whereas the Pharisee says to God, thank you, I'm not like that person down there, that, that tax collector. He was proud, he wasn't like the tax collector. The children's teacher says, well, thank God that we're not like the Pharisee, which is the same thing as what the Pharisee did. You know, we can be proud, we can have pride in our hearts that we're not the person we used to be. We're not, the par- we're not like others. And it's good to be sanctified. It's good to see the grace of God at work in our lives. But we must remember that it's all of grace. And we should not take the glory ourselves. C.S. Lewis <clears throat> writes in his book, Mere Christianity. He says, pride is competitive by its very nature. That's why it goes on and on. If I'm a proud man, then as long as there is one man in the whole world more powerful or richer or cleverer than I, he is my rival and my enemy. He says later, he, he, he deals a lot with pride in when he describes character in the third section of that book, he gives most of his focus onto this sin behind so many other sins. He summarizes, according to Christian teachers, he's thinking historically down through the centuries, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. He wanted to take the worship. He was the worship leader in heaven, but he wanted to worship himself. And pride leads to every other vice. It is the complete anti-God state of mind. Pride is the anti-God state of mind. <clears throat> Jesus says we, can now, we cannot serve two masters. Pride wants to serve self. And God calls us to serve him. And in that sense, pride is the anti-God state of mind. 
as C.S. Lewis puts it. John tells us, Do not love this world nor the things it offers you. For when you love the world, you do not have the love of the Father in you. For the world offers only a craving for physical pleasure, a craving for everything we see, and pride in our achievements and possessions. These are not from the Father, but are from this world. And this world is fading away, along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. (coughs) (coughs) We cannot serve two masters. There's the world or God. And the problem is, in the long term, the outlook is not good for those who are proud. Psalm 10. For they brag about their evil desires. They praise the the greedy and curse the Lord. The wicked are too proud to seek God. They seem to think that God is dead. Isaiah tells us, or the Lord tells us in Isaiah, human pride will be brought down and human arrogance will be humbled. Only the Lord will be exalted on that day of judgment. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Jesus tells us in Luke chapter 14. If only we could see the impact that pride has on our lives. Thankfully, by the work of the Spirit, we can see, we are encouraged, we are motivated. We are drawn to see that we ought to follow Christ and not the things of this world. There's a tension in us if we've come to the Lord. (coughs) And we want to be different to what we are. So much so that at the end of Romans chapter 7, the person calls out, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? It's a cry of despair. Look at, look at what, I've, what I am. Look what sin does to me. But it calls out with a shout of acclamation, thanks be to God. There is release, there is freedom, there is salvation, there is redemption, delivery from this through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Jesus frees us from the, <clears throat> the constraining, enslaving power of pride of sin. Jesus frees us into the joy of being able to walk in humility. Jesus frees us from pride and all its consequences. To be blessed, to be free of the grip of pride and the burden it brings into our lives We need to get God back into the picture. We need to see God's word and what it says about pride, what it says about us and how we ought to live before him. And we need to recognize that it's only through faith in Christ that we can break that cycle of sin. It's only in him, by the power of his spirit, that we can actually live and walk the way we ought to. We need Jesus if we want to be freed from the, the burden that pride brings on our lives, the, the joylessness that it enslaves us with. 
Jesus sets us free from burdens, from guilt, from insecurity, from slavery to sin, from being proud and trying to keep up appearances, from making us think that we're better than we really are. He gives us the acceptance that says, you don't have to try and make yourself look good to be accepted before God. Just admit who you are and accept the, the righteousness that comes from him as a gift. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up in honour, James tells us. Proverbs, which has, says so much about pride. It says, better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. <coughs> C.S. Lewis writes again, In God you come against something which is in every respect immeasurably superior to yourself. Unless you know God as that and therefore know yourself as nothing in comparison, you do not know God at all. As long as you're proud, you cannot know God. A proud man is always looking down on things and people. And of course, as long as you're looking down, you cannot see something that is above you. Pride is a spiritual cancer. It eats up the very possibility of love or contentment or even common sense. In contrast, the spirit breaks that cycle and gives us the ability to be patient and kind. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Pride puts self at the centre. Love puts God and others at the centre. The fruit of the Spirit focuses on loving our neighbour and loving God instead of being proud, instead of self. If anyone has reason to be proud, it is God. Because he alone is perfect. And it's okay for him to be pleased with how perfect and good he is. He is perfect There's no one higher than him. But we must always give the glory to God and never let the glory that people or never let the praise that people give to us land on us. If someone says you're a brilliant person, you're you're wonderful or whatever and just people love to talk up each other and tell each other how good they are. But if somebody says even... If God has done great things in your life, if, if somebody says how great you are, sometimes we can say, listen, it's not me, it's Christ in me. At other times, we can't, it's not appropriate, we don't have the opportunity to say that. But at those times, at all times, we mustn't let the glory land on us. Even if we can't say something to give the glory to God, We mustn't let it in our minds and our hearts. Let's give the praise to God. And sometimes it's possible to to say the words, oh, it's it's all of God, but yet secretly be proud. We've got to beware that secret sin as well. If we want to be humble, if we want to really love others and not self, if we want to love God and not self, then we need Jesus in our lives. If we want to be free from the the burden that pride brings with it, 
from the consequences of all the sins that it leads us into. We need the freedom that Jesus gives us. We need the forgiveness of the cross today with all our sins in the past. And we need the empowering of the Spirit. Jesus taught us by example. And Paul tells us that you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of being a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus is our example of not sitting in heaven and just enjoying the worship and the the adoration of all the angels, which he would be entitled to do. But in humility, he came and served others. He wasn't focused on self. He was focused on others. Jesus is our example, our role model. Whenever we start to think of ourselves and how good we are or what we've done or whatever, let's recognize that as being about self. Our thoughts ought to be loving others, loving God. One preacher wrote about a mission trip he was on. Several years ago he said, I was visiting Manila, that's in the Philippines, and was taken of all places to the Manila garbage dump. Tens of thousands of people make their homes on that dump site. It's massive. Many square miles. They've constructed shacks out of things other people have thrown away. They send their children out every morning to scavenge for food and other people's garbage so that they can have family meals. People have been born and raised on the garbage dump. They've had their families and died there without going anywhere else, even in the city of Manila. It's an astonishing thing. But he says, there's also some Americans who live on that garbage dump. They're missionaries who have chosen to leave their own country and to communicate the love of Jesus Christ to people who otherwise would never hear it. That's amazing. But it's not as amazing as the journey of our Saviour when he came from heaven to earth. The Son of God knew what he was doing. He knew where he was going. He knew the sacrifice it would be. He journeyed from heaven to earth on a mission to save the human race. Imagine going to live on a rubbish dump. That would be something that it's hard enough to read about it when somebody else has done it but to actually do it ourselves. And yet that's really just a little tiny bit of an understanding of what Christ did when he came and humbled himself to living in our fallen world. And we're called in Philippians 2 to have the same attitude that Christ had. Not to think of self, not to, like those missionaries, not to simply enjoy the good life that they could have had if they stayed over in the United States but to think of others, to humble ourselves and to serve them. 
who we are is not dependent upon what people think about us or what they say about us. We don't need reinforcement from others all the time. We just need God to be our judge. We need to know who we are before him. He was concerned more about helping people, about bringing lost souls into a loving relationship with the Father. He was more concerned about that than being praised than being worshipped, even though he is King of kings and Lord of lords. He came to save sinners, to change us from what we are to what we would be, what we will be, by the power of his Spirit. So let's, let's not let pride get into our lives and take over. We often don't see it, but we can see the effects. Let's not make self on the pedestal. Let's put God on the pedestal. Let's worship him. Once we turn away from pride, once we turn away from self and turn to God, instead of trying to glorify ourselves, when we glorify God, well, he ends up giving us the glory that we turned away from. Paul continues in Philippians 2 about Jesus. Therefore God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names, that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And that same principle applies to us when we turn to Christ. James tells us, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will lift you up in honor. When we turn from wanting the honor, God gives it to us. But we mustn't turn to God in a sort of a false, well, I'll get it that way. But we have to genuinely turn from self, turn from pride, and he will glorify us. He will raise us up. He will honor us on that day when he comes again. He offers glory to everyone who turns to him with true humility and repentance. So let's not let pride have a a, a foothold in our lives. Let's not let pride eat away at who we are. Let's not let pride wreck our lives and the lives of others around us. Let's not take away our joy and our peace, but let's turn to Christ and know that acceptance before God that isn't based upon what we are trying to make ourselves out to be. We're accepted on the basis of his grace and his love and his mercy towards us. Let's turn to him in faith and thanks. Lord, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you that you don't call us to try and talk up who we are, to deserve being accepted. Lord, none of us can deserve it. We've all sinned. None of us is perfect. But we thank you that you give us a righteousness which is not our own. You give us a righteousness which is based on faith. You give us a righteousness which is Christ's righteousness, given as a gift to us. We're accepted not on the basis of what we think we are or what we have done, because that is never enough. We've sinned. But we're accepted on the basis of the gift of righteousness 
through faith in Christ. Father, forgive us when we have been too self-centered, too proud in our own minds. Forgive us and help us, Lord, to be humble like Christ, to love others, to serve others, to serve God, to love God. Help us, Lord, not to serve two masters, self and God. Help us to serve God alone. Help us to serve you with a pure heart. In Jesus' name, amen.